Hello. Welcome back. This is another episode of Dog Training with Patrick. I am excited that it's the 4th of July. Uh, we made it this far. Um, going on um, almost halfway through technically the summer season, but the summer, summer just actually began. So the next step up would be obviously fall. Um, but the, but one thing that I want to talk to you guys about today, uh, on the podcast is I, I don't have a, uh, I don't have a consultation. It's not a live one or anything like that, but it is about, uh, something I wrote about in my blog, which is, uh, nose, eyes, ears, and how those, how those things are vitally important to the position of a dog. And, um, I want, I want to kind of like emphasize the fact that those that dogs use their nose and their senses to be social as well as they use them to be animals that hunt and so like if you if we can go back to like wolves for example not that it's going to be the same but wolves typically use all their senses for both you know dogs nowadays they if you ask them to go out on a hunt unless they've had practice at it they're not going to be very good. They're going to be kind of unorganized, um, all that kind of stuff. But socially, um, wolves and dogs typically are around the type same thing. You know, they're both born deaf and blind to an extent. Blind is they can't really see anything. Deaf is to the point where their ear canals work, but there's nothing um, able to go in and out of those ears. Uh, so. Uh, that waiting for the for the for the tissue to open up so the ear can fully um, hear, and they're born with just the scent of their nose, um, and that is that is one thing that that triggers the immediate response I believe to bond with the mother uh, is that smell and the rest of the litter mates. So a lot of times, if you get a dog from a litter and you take that dog back around um, that dog, you know some of the litter mates again they often will remember them and act like just regular old puppies. And so I, th I think when they're, when they're with their mom or they're in a dense type situation, that the cool thing is is that they, they first recognize through smell. And once their eyes come to fully develop, then they can actually, now they can lock onto what they smell, kind of like a locking on device. You sit there and play a video game and, and you're playing like a jet and it finally locks on like a missile. Uh, so now, now that smell and the eyes are working in sync to lock on to whatever it's looking at or going after or, in, uh, or engaging with uh, socially. So I think when you look at those types of points of view, you get, you get, a, you get a better example of how it can be used for, for prey and how it can be used for social. And eventually what happens is their ears open up. And when their ears open up, now they now now when they hear somebody walking, you know, does that walking associate through that smell of that person? Do they know who that person is? Is it the same smell? You know, the, what what precedes the car from coming into the driveway? Since dogs can perceive and understand what car is yours, regardless how many of the same make and models are out there, they can specifically know which which car is your car. And they know that because they understand through the associations that this is a precursor of what's coming next. So it ends up becoming a chain of events that say, this person's coming inside, I love them. Um, but what happens sometimes is, is when I talk about dogs being social and using their nose to be social, 
what seems to happen at the end of the day uh, becomes, well, usually when, it, when a dog loses the smell first. So a lot of times when a dog's being social or they're curious, more so curious than being social, is that they use their nose. They're not, they're not in a state of I'm aggression or, or they're not in a state of being aggressive or unsure or anything when they're using their nose. They could be tentative while they use their nose, like they're leaning in with their, their mouth and they've got their one paw raised, but they're smelling and they're being curious, curiously cautious. And that, to me, is a, is a sign that says that's okay. They're supposed to be cautious, but they're also supposed to be curious. And when they're being both of these things, the last thing that they're going to be is territorial at the door, territorial at the house. But what happens is sometimes is I, I like to say they forget how to do this and they need people to help them through it. But a lot of times it's not that they forget how to do this. I think a lot of times it's that the um, situation, how everything's presented to them goes backwards. And we fail to go in and, and say, ah, 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 no, we're not gonna do it that way. We're gonna do it this way. And we allow the dog to kind of take the lead on this um, thing. And so as soon as they hear the doorbell uh, three or four times, they know somebody's coming through it. What happens is, is they, they understand that somebody is coming through the door. They're not going to smell them. All they hear is the doorbell ring, so they're hearing first, and then they're seeing second. And then hopefully they're going to smell when they get up to them. Because a lot of times with these, the dog, you don't live with the dog, and the dog knows these, you know, the dog sees people outside. Even my dogs, when they see me outside, they would bark, um, and they would act like they wouldn't know who I was. They, you know, you'd hear a little bit of growl, definitely alertness that somebody was out there, but as soon as I come back inside, then they would smell me and wag their tail and be very happy again, regardless of what I did outside. And I think sometimes the doorbell kind of retrains the brain a little bit. The sister and says, oh, we're going to hear first, that's, and I'm going to be alert, and then all of a sudden somebody's going to come in here. So what happens is, is I, what I believe what happens is, is we don't let the dog, we don't let the dog decide uh, to be social. You know, we hear the doorbell, we're like, oh crap, I gotta get the money for the pizza, I gotta open the door for my mom, I gotta, you know, I gotta, I gotta engage with that, that person coming in. And we forget that the dog is not ready to technically engage yet. Right now, he's letting the whole house know that he's alert, that's where you get the woo 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 woo, that's where that comes from. The woo 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 um, is, is letting everybody know in the house that somebody is there. And they're looking to you to see what they're supposed to do next. And so what you're going to want to do is settle them down and then bring them to the door. If they decide to start to use their nose, that's where the, the pet and praise comes in. When you open the door, I would definitely, if my dog is in that kind of excited type mind frame, I would definitely try and get the leash on them, come between them and what's coming through the door, ask them to sit, direct my full attention onto them that I don't agree with them lunging to get to the door. Once I get them in a sit and open the door, I just have the person come in and stand there for a bit. And when they come in and stand for a bit, I'm going to let the dog kind of go through some of the anxiety of emotions. Because since they were so high, I'm going to let them start to come down a little bit. And when they can calm down a little bit, when the first sight that I see them start to use their nose and move their head in a way that they're not using their eyes and they're not being so visual, that's where I'm going to mark the behavior. And I'm going to either give them the reward or I'm going to pet and praise and I'm going to play with them for a little bit. And when I say play with them for a little bit, I don't mean like play with them, uh, you know, for five, ten minutes. I mean like two or three seconds. And then I would rinse, wash, and repeat. 
until the dog really starts to be in a playful state of mind. Once he starts to be in a playful state of mind, I will then allow him or her to go up and smell that person, fully supervised, by the way. And once he, once he goes up and starts to sniff and smell that person, what then I do next is I will say the dog's name, which is what I use to gain the dog's attention. So when I train, when I use, when I use their name, that's what I, what, I, what I use to gain their attention. So if I say, you know, Molly or Snickers, and they, they answer their name directly in the middle of them sniffing because they know there's going to be something positive there and something very strong that is going to allow them to uh, come back to me or, or break their attention on the smell. And when they do and they come back, I'm going to play with them. I'm marking that behavior right there. I'm marking it. I'm just telling them, you know, I'm using my word yes or good job. One of the two words that I usually typically use just depends on the owners that I'm working with at the time. My personally, I use yes. Found it to be very uh, easy and sharp and it, it registers right away. So one, you know, good job is obviously a group of words together and yes is just one straight word. And so I would, I would recommend that we do that. I would recommend that the easier and the simpler the better. And so I would do that and then I would kind of rinse, wash, and repeat again until the dog is going over there, you know, moving its butt, very playful, very happy. And then I would allow the guest to play with them as well. I, you know, then, you know, if your dog's not one that likes to be petted, well, then I would make sure that they, there's a ball or a tug toy or something that the owner gets to let the, let the house guests use to, to reward the dog for a proper introduction. A lot of times we'll just sit there and say, well, just get, let, let me get you a treat so you can give the dog the treat. The dog doesn't really register that the treat is coming from that person because the dog's not really using his nose. He's visual. So if he hears the bad crinkle, he's going to be like, oh, that's a treat. But what he's not going to understand is that person directly is being associated with that reward. So when you give your, your treats to somebody that's coming in the home, the dog is so, so intensely focused on getting to that person or eliminating what makes them feel uncomfortable. And it doesn't mean that they're necessarily going to be aggressive. What it means is that they're, they're very unsure how to handle that certain type of situation. And it's, and it's okay because at the end of the day, they're just doing what, what they've learned to do in that situation. They've learned to do what is natural to them um, that, that has worked in the past. A lot of times... You know, our do when our dogs are, are ultimately uh, scared or they're nervous about something in the beginning, we don't necessarily see it. And when we don't necessarily see it and something changes in the environment, like, oh, we weren't expecting a guest to come over, then they get to see the change in us. And what happens is that guest gets related. That guest gets related to uh, the whole process of things in the environment switching. The dog doesn't get related. Even though the owners of the dog might be nervous about how the dog's going to react, the dog takes it as he, that everybody in the house environment has changed due to this one new piece of environment coming into the house. And so the dog wants to eliminate that to keep everything okay. And that becomes the challenge that, uh, that, that most people have to work through. And, and I think it's about showing the dog what you need in, that, in those moments. It's not about showing the dog, or it's not about disciplining the dog. A lot of times I'll, I'll go to people's homes and they'll say, well, you know, I put the shock collar on the dog or I put a prong collar on or I'll do this or that. Only put the collar on if you absolutely need to, um, but don't use it as a, as a tool to use corrections. Use it as a tool to restrain. 
And what I mean by that is a lot of times I'll ride the wave. So if, if I get a four-foot collar and I have that, that leash on and he's lunging, well, then I'm going to let him lunge. And when he starts to settle, then I'm going to make my way in front of him and I'm going to push him back and I'm going to tell him how I feel about a certain situation that he's doing. But one thing, if your dog is in the, interested in smelling first and then starts to get nervous and aggressive, a lot of times the dog will go over there and sniff and then all of a sudden he changes. And that's because he sniffs and he says, now what? I don't know what I'm supposed to do now. Now all the feelings of my, my vision becomes apparent and I'm looking up and I'm going, oh crap, I don't know what to do now. What do I do? And a lot of times we as owners miss that part of it and that's where they need help at to begin with. So a lot of times dogs will sit there and uh, they will smell and everything will seem fine and then you'll see this nip because the person moves too fast or tries to pet them. They don't know what to do next. They just kind of, they start to shut down. And so when we start to, that's why it's so important that when they smell somebody, if you know your dog started to become timid or unsure, that you help complete that process for them. New people mean play, especially when they're invited over. Um, they mean play. So always have some kind of um, tool that you can use to give the, guy, give the dog confidence in that, in that, in that situation. But when you use force, what you're saying to the dog is, mess up. When you mess up, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to shoot you a sharp correction that said, that's not what I was looking for. And if you don't do it sharp enough, you just increase the intensity of the dog. So if you have a, a shock collar and you're like, yeah, the dog sometimes responds to it and sometimes he doesn't. Well, what kind of quality shock collar do you have? And are you using it on the right level? And are you using it at the right time? So a lot of times I always will say that the, that the, that the, the punishment can be extremely, extremely um, untrusted. And when, they, when you use that type of punishment on the dog, you risk, being, you risk the dog becoming more intense with what is coming in through the door or what they're already nervous about. Because that type of punishment wasn't happening before this person or that thing came into their environment. So when you're working with your dog, always set them up for success. Always try and find the positive first. When you get the dog the confidence, then you can scale back and say, okay, we know he's not scared anymore of people. He's jumping all over him. Now you can start to add in more discipline and start asking more of structure for the dog till you get to the point where the dog actually sits and stays and when he does that, you allow him to go up and sniff and then when he has a good association and he sniffs, and he's not jumping, then we bring the tug toy out or whatever toy that you decide to bring out. But it's all centered around confidence. So if you use tug, you know, a lot of times you'll hear people say, well, don't let the dog win tug of war. In these circumstances, you do. You always will let the dog win because he's got confidence. The dog won't play tug of war if you win 10 out of 10 times. He, as soon as you touch the tug of war toy, he'll drop it and walk away because it's no longer fun. There's no longer a, he knows that you're that you're the stronger like you you don't have to beat that into him anymore, um, so he won't play and so it becomes not fun anymore. That's why I always tell the guests to use the tug toy. So especially if you're if you believe in the dominant theory, that you let the guests do that and just tell the guests to let him win, because if you let tell the guests to let him win, well then the dog stays confident there and he were still and, and the other turn will respect you. But while you're teaching the dog this, it's very important when you're the one utilizing the toy and marking the correct behavior that you do let them win so they keep on wanting to play 
and they keep on wanting to do tug. Or make sure you have a good release word in there. If you have a good release word in there, then you can do a 50-50. But a good release word, um, it's very simple to do. So, uh, you know, I just wanted to give everybody a good shout-out for the 4th of July. I mean, this is what my blog was about. Um, I have a, you know, this is obviously what I have on video now. Um, the blog is a little bit more scientific, tells you a little bit more about our about the eyesight versus humans and the hearing versus humans. And we already know that the dog's um, old, old nasal factory is 40 times larger than that of the humans and can smell up to 10 million times more receptors in there. The one thing that we didn't talk about was the other senses, is that the ears. The ears are four times more sensitive to a dog, hearing is, than with the person. That's why they hear on a different frequency. Um, so they obviously, and then two, when they're, when the dog's ears are erect, they, they end up becoming like, uh, radars where you see, they're just seeing the boop boop and they'll, they'll move around. Okay. So that, that's another fun example and that can raise the hearing even more. And then their eyesight is not as good as ours. And there's a couple different reasons why. One of them is because, you know, our eyes shoot in cones. Um, theirs doesn't, uh, but they do have rods. What they consider rods in the eyes is that they have four times more or five times more rods than we do, and that allows this, um, different different vision at certain times to be better than ours, like during dusk, during dawn, um, those types of times when vision for us is at our worst, it's at their best. Uh, so, so, and another reason why our eyes are a little bit better is because we are we have binocular vision. We can pick something out at a distance and focus on it. A dog's got more of a landscape type vision where they can, see, they can see a wider range, but they can't really pick up anything out there and focus in on it like we can. And you'll, you'll notice that if you ever run a, run a test with your dog, is that in the middle of the afternoon, play fetch with your dog and then launch that sucker so far that, that, it, stops, that it stops before the dog gets there. He will lose track of it. And then you'll see him sniffing like all the way around the ball until he actually picks it up and finds it. And the reason is because he, he, can't, he can't technically see it. He can't focus in on it. Once it stops moving, he can't help himself but to look for it. And he trusts his nose more than he trusts his eyes. So then when he gets back into tracking mode, he's no longer paying attention to his eyes. He's more focused in on that sense. Um, but uh, I hope you found this interesting. And if you ever have any questions or comments, please feel free to email me, comment uh, on there. I would be more than happy to respond. And uh, I appreciate all feedback, good or negative. Um, just gives us an open forum to talk. And, and I hope your 4th of July stays safe. If you have a dog, please make sure that they are well safe, uh, well kept inside. If they are nervous about the fireworks, there are loud noises. So just give your, your dog a place where they can go that is quiet and please do not leave your pet unattended outside during this time of year. It can be very nerve-wracking, and you'll be surprised at how quickly a dog can escape. So you guys have a great holiday, and until next time, take care.